Hey sports fans, this is Brett and Brian, and welcome to episode 3 of the Super Sass Brothers! If you are looking for our sister podcast on the culinary arts of the DC Universe, Seeking Amy Adams' Soup, that is recorded on Thursdays. That was good. That was really good. I have one. I have one. But today is uh, April 8th, 2019, which, if you've been following along, is actually a week and a day since we've had our wonderful episode two. So Brett and I had a pretty exciting week where we moved into a new house in the wonderful duck pond of Gainesville, Florida. And we are recording from what should be our new studio for the duration of the Super Sass Brothers. It's also called the Nudio. The Nudio. And Brett and I are wearing clothes. And uh, so today's episode, we've been introducing this, uh, this framework for customer relationship management that Brett introduced in episode one, called AIR. And uh, last week's episode, we covered the A phase of this, which is acquisition, which is more on the sales and marketing side about how do you find the right customers, how do you uh, get them excited, and how do you get them to say yes. So today we're kind of moving into the next phase, which is implementation. And to be honest, Brett, this is your wheelhouse. Because I think we've both done software implementation, but what I haven't done is manage a team and doing the job versus conducting how the job is done is such an interesting interesting challenge that I want to hear how you dealt with going from someone that, one, did the job, and then had to control a team that then does that job. Yeah, I think uh, <laughs> I, I, I really like onboarding. Um, I really like the process of working with new users. I think that as, you, as, as technology becomes more prevalent, um, the idea of how to get users to get engaged uh, is always going to be near and dear to a lot of companies. I think the biggest thing for me is the idea of what onboarding is uh, versus what it means when a customer has been onboarded is the way I look at like what implementation has to be. Like the implementation at the end of the day um, is going to encapsulate a series of processes that just designed to increase the likelihood that partners are going to be successful down the road. Um, where it gets difficult is depending upon how much integration you have between your sales and marketing and training and onboarding teams. Uh, a lot of times onboarding feels like you're trying super hard uh, to date someone who's not super interested in dating you. And uh, there are many ways to get over that. And uh, I think that's what we'll touch on today. So the, uh, for the sake of our listeners who some of them might not uh, be in this space. They might not know what onboarding is. Like e- even you and I, four years ago, right? Like onboarding had a different definition. Some folks might think it's the the process of when you bring a new hire into an organization, you onboard them the to the organization. Term, yeah. It's exactly correct. So I think I, what I'd like to start off with is give me your definition of onboarding. So onboarding, as it relates to software as a service, um, is actually referencing the customer or the partner. So it's a program that's put in place from an internal team to an external user, partner, et cetera. And what it encompasses is everything that happens in the post-sale sign-up process that are designed to increase the likelihood that the new partner user becomes successful when adopting the product, service, whatever. And uh, it encompasses both the teams and the tools used to complete that process, be it on the technical setup side, the training side, the engagement side, what have you. Interesting. So the uh, the specific thing that we're going to talk about today is a little bit broader than just onboarding as well. So when we talk about implementation, it's interesting. I wonder if onboarding is the end-all, be-all for what implementation means, especially how you define it right there. Like not just getting people using a tool, but having them be successful with it. 
or if implementation, it, there's another component to it, which uh, maybe might be more like technical setup or even just discovery of the customer's needs. I 100% agree. Um, I, I don't even know. Honestly, I, I, in my mind, I'm, I'm, you ever play this game where you can like, make both arguments in your head? I'm doing that right now for this topic. The, uh, and I didn't use this today when I was, uh, I met with a few interns this, 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 this afternoon, which is just always incredibly rewarding to talk to people and get to be really passionate and about what you, what you do and the analogy I gave them about onboarding because a lot of them kind of looked at me and they weren't really understanding how this, this process could be so well refined and so detailed and yet be still so open to exploration and experimenting and iteration and change. And, and I identified it as the rock wall uh, analogy. And what I basically said is that a lot of onboardings heavily silo their training into very specific things. So. I might teach you, Brian, to be the world's best carabiner in the entire world. You could slap carabiners like you wouldn't believe on chain link fences, um, but I never teach you how to grip the rock. And other people might teach you how to grip the rock, and you might be a wonderful. Uh, you should all check out Free Solo on Hulu, which talks about a climber who doesn't hatch his stuff on there. But that's because he knows that. Now, if you're climbing the rock, and I train you to be a great rock climber, but I never taught you how to attach the things to the rock, to put your put your, your rope on, to how to climb together, to how to make camp, how to climb back down. Oh, I taught you how to climb up. Well, how do I get back down? Oh, well, Brian, that's professional services. And I'll be honest, but honestly, when you described the uh, the carabiner, I thought you were going to teach me how to be a guy from the Caribbean. <laughs> I didn't even tie it to rock climbing, so it's funny. Like, now we. What did you learn your onboarding today? I I, I learned the Caribbean. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of it's funny, but like we're getting wrapped up in terms. But uh, I think terms are a challenge, and I think it is a carabiner, right? Yeah, it's carabiner. No, no, no. Trust me, I was wrong. Okay, I was wondering. I was... No, I'm 100 percent wrong in that situation, but. Uh, for a second, I'm like, all right, Russ going to teach me how to be Caribbean. You know it was WrestleMania yesterday, too? You know, I saw that on uh, Facebook today. Yeah. Any WrestleMania or, or WWE fans out there, well, I have not consistently watched the uh, the entertainment in a while. There are stairs in this house, and Timber just joined us for the uh, podcast. This Timber's, is Timber's one show. of uh, two dogs who's executive producer of this show, along with Smyrna. To pull it back to the I and implementation and the, and the point Brian and I are kind of pushing towards, the point we're pushing towards right now, um, we had done a little thought exercise back and forth, and I touched on onboarding versus onboarded, and that's like a big, the big difference, I think, in how people approach the implementation, is the idea so much isn't the steps that it takes to get someone somewhere, it's very clearly defining where they're supposed to be at the end of the process. I have two notes. And I stole these a while back from HubSpot directly, and HubSpot is a marketing automation software. Uh, Brian and I spent a few years each at SharpSpring, which is a local Gainesville marketing automation company, and I modeled a lot of my processes off what I saw from HubSpot. And they had two great notes on what it meant to be onboarding. One was that the user or the partner had experienced their quick win or their initial success with the product. So if it didn't matter if somebody was set up, if they finished onboarding, if they didn't get to a point where they saw something really cool and impactful happen, they're not onboarded. And then two, because that really cool thing might be something different for everyone. It's hard to lock down what that big moment's going to be. And the second thing is that they have confirmed that they saw the real value potential in their relationship with you. And that's super important as I apply in other places, because if they just see the value in what your software does, there are copycat and comparison technologies everywhere. They can find a different, a cheaper, a more expensive way to do something. So if they just see the value in what happens, that's not the same as being onboarded, which means they see the value in you and what you're doing. And I love those two. And they're super simple to rattle off as points. Um, I don't remember I told you those before, too. I've modeled a lot of my process on those two things about what it means to be onboarded, despite the fact that you know that I don't get that from a lot of people that I onboard. I know. It's tough. It's uh 
you have this wonderful aspirational goal of what it should be like. So, so it's funny that we should now take a step back and say, what you just painted was the perfect definition of what it means to be onboarded. Tell me the reality of what happens in the circumstance. And then tell me what you then do, both as an individual and a team leader, as well as what you do for your team and your team members to make sure that situation doesn't happen again. The reality is, is that onboarding is a cost center. Uh, anything that happens in onboarding between the sale and the actual revenue generation of the client, uh, unless someone is paying the actual cost, not just of onboarding, but the acquisition cost of what it cost in marketing and sales to get that person across the finish line to get started, then onboarding costs the company money. They are paying a team or an individual or a large group of individuals with different roles money to get the user to the point where the company feels comfortable that that relationship is going to be solidified. Because of that, onboarding often has to do things in the quickest and the dirtiest way so that someone is onboarded or live or up and running. Perfect. And then we kind of set it and forget it, Bronco Girl style. I think so. I've never had this realization before. And what you just said brought me here about tying it to uh, onboarding being cost center because I, I disagree, but I think you're right. Like on a PL sheet, you're going to see onboarding as a cost center. And what's funny about that is I think that's because the dollars become real in a customer science. So you think about sales as well. Sales is also a cost center. But when you're talking to the sales team, everything's hypothetical, right? It's about the 10 deals in the pipeline that are $10 million. And we're super excited about that. So we want to keep our sales team happy because we see the upside there. So when those deals come in, and we'll say all 10 deals came in, and this is the best sales guys ever. But we realize the actual value of those deals is like $2 million, right? So 20% of what we're actually projecting. But then as they come in, if they're in a liquid agreement like a lot of SaaS contracts are, that $2 million is realized over a period of time. So the reason they want you to move so fast in onboarding and there's so much pressure on is that the money is now real. Like they're paying you. And the concern is if, if you're not as good as the sales guy was at their job, which is a completely different function, we're then going to lose this money coming in per month and we're never going to hit that whatever dollar amount that was put on the board for those customer set. I wonder if that's the challenge there. <laughs> I think every I think every onboarding team, director, manager, uh, they're all expected to be be gambit as it applies to new users. They're turning potential good users into actual kinetic or real good users. They're in charge of that conversion process. So, as for those who aren't, don't know Gambit is an expert. How do you not know? Well, first of all, they don't know Gambit because whatever his name is. Taylor Kish. Taylor Kish. Taylor Kish. Uh, and then Channing Tatum. And then Ch- oh, Channing Tatum was never serious. He wanted to go to Comic Con. Yeah. I have a uh, I have a reciprocal note that I want to plug on onboarding, and I think the value of it internally to a company as well. Okay. We talked about this earlier this week, and uh, one I, of the points Brett talked about a moment ago was the onboarding is like the initial experience of a company, of a customer to a company, and I think that onboarding goes both ways. So my specific example is when you're bringing people into like an onboarding team and their initial experience with their first customer. So I've gotten through with my first onboarding at Admiral. Veronica at Evolve Media, if you're listening. We're not supposed to use names. You're a rock star. I, you know, I thought about this. I'm like, would she be upset if you heard this? I don't think so. Because honestly, she's been such a pleasure to work with. And the back and forth that we had has been efficient and productive. 
and exactly what I've wanted from like my first soup to nuts experience working at Admiral. And of course, I've had a ton of internal support from Dan and the team, and they're awesome. But again, I, talk, I said this the other day, my confidence onboarding, and I've, I, you know, I've, I have 10 right now, right? Because it happens so quickly. That's the nature of the beast. But uh, I always look to like Veronica and say, like, oh, wow, we did this well. We're doing this well. And it excites me. So a question I want to throw over the fence to you, and this is kind of a softball we talked about it this week, is like, how do you match make that at scale to ensure that one, your customers are set up for the best experience and two, you're cultivating this culture of happiness with your team that they legitimately enjoy doing what they do. Yeah, that's that's tough. Because um, onboarding is a fun job if you enjoy it. If you're doing the right thing, you're a teacher, but you get to build as well. You're like a teacher and an architect at the same time. Well, you help me, you help me formalize this in the car, but the overall idea of onboarding that you have to really like is that you're helping manage that gap between people, process, and problems. Yes. And you have to understand that in a negative way, you could say that onboarding, and I've used this several times, is sales part two, um, wherein sales sells the value and onboarding sells the actual experience, let's say. That's what they do. So sales is value, onboarding sells the experience, or they prove the value, whatever you want to say there. Um, But if you're not a type of person who understands that, you have to be technically competent to win over the technical people. You have to be communicative and engaging to win over the people who need to be sold still a little bit more. And you have to be able to move back and forth on that line, sometimes in the same conversation. And you have to really love solving problems. Yeah. And if you don't have those skills, if that's not who you are, then there are plenty of support focused roles for you. Onboarding's hard. It's it's tough. And, I, and there are plenty of people that I love dearly that put a ton, a ton of time and effort and emotion and empathy into trying to work with people who didn't want to date us. Just the wrong it's the wrong personality. So it's so it's so funny that you said the traits, because that's a question I had written down to ask you, and the, the question was broader. It's more about the implementation category, but let, we're here. Let's do it. Give me the top personality traits you think make a good implementation team member. There's no limit. There's no three. There's no five. There's no ten. I just want you to spit off the things that you've seen that are successful. If you want to share things that you think would make someone not be great, feel free to share that as well. Sure. There, there are only three, and uh, these are the exact items that I would go through with my former uh, colleague in management and Christian when we were interviewing people and then these are the same things I would look for when interviewing people um, and, and this is just off this is just kind of things linked together this is very similar to the conversation we had about interns what I'm looking for number one uh, you have to be able to communicate you cannot teach somebody that's not fair there are plenty of things out there public speaking etc um, but when I say communicate I'm not talking about just being able to write clear and not just being able to to get an idea from one person to someone else. I mean, you have to get people to really want to actually talk to you. Yes. They should be excited about getting on the phone with you. They should eventually become someone who you go past, the, the, the curtain comes back, and you're not Brett from Sharpspring, Brett from Implicity, Brett from wherever, Brett from Brett Bryant. You're Brett. They know you're getting on the phone with them, and you have flaws, and you've got issues, and they know who they're talking to because the environment that you're in is so weird. Like, all my job is as an onboarding specialist is to help you be successful, but it still has all the tinges of sales. It has this idea that the the relationship is finite, so you have to make the most of it. So the ability to communicate, too, you have to, wherever you can bring it from in your body, you have to be able to be really, really passionate. And I used to try to put these as three eyes, and I'd say intense. But it's not. We're not doing that. We're just playing the actual thing. No, sorry. I, trust me. I'm thinking it. We're CP right now. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it, it's about being passionate. You have to really care 
And that's tough. It's really tough. And depending on the onboarding you're doing, if I'm filling out a form on app queues and I'm just clicking through things like a Pendo walkthrough, mm-hmm. that, that's a whole different type of onboarding. We're focusing on the type of onboarding that requires a human element. That's a whole other conversation that, that we can talk yeah. about, like onboarding at scale using tools. Yeah. Uh, tutorialize other things yep. like that. Um, Pendo, and not that we ever used it like that, but um, passion is, is big and passion uh, trickles down. You have to have a nice support structure in place, number one, in an onboarding team so that people know that their passion is going to be not so much rewarded, even though it should be, but their passion should be returned. If, they're, if you don't feel from your users that they actually feel passionate, and this is not to say every time, there are always going to be people dispassionate about their jobs. But the number one thing that feels rewarding in onboarding is when you're communicating with people, you're getting them engaged, and then you actually see it work and you feel good about that. Yes. And you have to look at that and say, man, I go, I actually made that happen. Uh, and then the third one, of course, you have to be a problem solver. Yep. At the end of the day, onboarding is going to be whatever onboarding's definition is to the customer or partner. You call it PCP. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, All the kids will do it. I mean, we can find a keyword for communicate communication, but that's kind of. I think PCP is great. PCP is great. Yeah. This is Brett and Brian. Podcast <laughs> you know what it is? I always write Passion down. Passion communication problem solving. I always write down title TBT, TBD on this one. And like last week, we got the great one, which was you have to unlearn what you have learned. Uh, that's another HubSpot one. I think this one's going to be Brett and Brian episode three. PCP is great. <laughs> and that's what I, I'm like, I know we're going to say something. Boom. Done. <laughs> Smyrna, the executive producer, just shook his head. Yeah. <laughs> or he has to go for a walk. And, and pro- it's, it's so great when you talk to people. And I was in a lucky role. I got to hire whoever I wanted for a long time based upon these criteria. No one was watching me. There is nothing like, and, and you and I have experienced this, mm-hmm. um, there's nothing like showing somebody who thinks that they're not technically competent. When I'm saying technically competent, I'm typically talking about the software side of things. So doing something as simple as, simple now, but doing something as straightforward as getting a website spun up to the wide range of building their own API. Yep. Uh, someone who's not in the tech scene, who has never worked on these things before, there's an inherent barrier to getting into them and to watch somebody gain so much personal value of being able to solve a wide array of problems. And the term I always look for is I want a good onboarder has to be cross-functional across many departments because they're going to be asked to be cross-functional by the customer. It's funny that you say that because the, uh, I think there's a lot of people out there who fall into this category, the jack of all trades and the master of none. And that is a it's – a, it's such an interesting dilemma to have where you feel like you can wear multiple hats, but you think that the only way to really move forward is to commit to one hat. So if you're listening and you're one of these jack-of-all-trade peoples, peoples is now the word of this uh, podcast, what you should do is look at roles similar to what we're talking right now, like not just onboarding specifically, but anything that fits in the eye of the company. Software as a service businesses, that's it's a, it's a big part of what they do to make sure that customers are successful. But no matter what industry you're in, try to find that role because I think you'll be thoroughly enjoyed with it. It's going to challenge you. It's going to keep you excited. You're going to do a ton of PCP. And uh, at the end of the day, I think it's going to be the right thing for someone who would call themselves a jack of all trades, master of none. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to give you two names and you're going to tell me who won their match. Got it. <clears throat> Daniel Bryan or Coffee Kingston. Coffee Kingston. He did. It was a big deal. Kofi, isn't it? Is it? Kofi? It's Kofi. Yeah. I love a J word for a year. You did for a year. That's a good point. Um, <laughs> Triple H versus Batista. Oh, Batista? Yeah. 
You know, I'm going to go Batista. Triple H and Batista retired, which if you think he's probably going to be more active and stuff. Yeah, that's what I root for him. Yeah. He was great. He uh, was good. Blade Runner. We'll come back to WrestleMania a little bit later. Uh, can I? Can we put a slight twist in this, too? Uh-huh. Uh, before I twist there, too. You remember remember Lincoln Murphy, who uh, Jeff turned uh, out to? Uh, well, I was going to say I love it, which is the basic response for someone I don't know, but actually... You remember now? Yeah, I'm going to reserve my judgment. <laughs> uh, in general, uh, I, I had the same standpoint you do, but I had a note from way back when about something that, that it was a title of one of his blogs that I really liked. And while I thought the blog was absolutely, it, it is what it is, um, the, the title of the blog was The Seeds of Churn Are Planted Early, which is in relation to the importance of onboarding. And where I took that from is that we didn't really pull this string too hard. But I mentioned that I do feel that many companies view onboarding as a cost center, and it absolutely shouldn't be. Um, no, it shouldn't be at all. And Lincoln Murphy, in case you're listening, all complimentary things. I think he's right. I think he's right. I think he's absolutely right. It's a good, t- it's a good blog title. I feel like that's... Well, no, I think he does a great job with the whole customer success topic. My, my, res- my reticence of uh, giving accolades that, I, I, think, I think I'm jealous of him because it's a genius thing. Like that whole category is being developed right now. He's killing it. So great job, Lincoln Murphy, because you, you nailed it with that topic on onboarding. Is there a problem with gaslighting in like the tech industry of like people trying to convince us that what we believe isn't right? Like, hundred percent. And not that Lincoln Murphy is, and just because it's coming after this, this is not tying these things together. Not that he'll ever hear this, but you know, I often thought about that in, in onboarding, where I get these people from sales who would have this idea about how the product should work, and I would have to recreate to them this idea of how the product does work. And they would look at me like, no, no, Brett, we know how this works. And they would make me feel like I was trying to convince them of stuff that was wrong. And then I'm like, no, 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 I'm not gaslighting you. And I can't, of course, say that there was gaslighting happening anywhere else, but why, why is it so easy for us to kind of change our, our take of reality? Like onboarding is tough. Onboarding is whatever it needs to be. Um, I don't know. I, I think about the Lincoln Murphy people all the time, and I feel like all they're doing is saying things in a different format, but they're building an audience, which is a whole different conversation. It's all. It's you know, it's a little bit different. I, his, yeah, it's a whole different thing. But I think I think both. I think there's a ton of room for innovation in this entire treat your customers like people space. You know, I, again, I, I love being the director of customer love because it's new. It's not success. It's not, I guess the success of the close thing. It's not, it's definitely not support anymore. I think support's expected. I think having a support team, you know, it's like having a sales team. Like you just have a support team. I think success is the plus, but I think so many businesses now are fast falling for success that this next thing is going to happen. Because even, we're going to take just, you know, we're at 22 minutes. We're, this one's going to be a long one, guys. Yeah, we, got, we can even, yeah. Yeah. We talked this week about psychographics and sales. And psychographics can also apply to customer success too, right? Hey, who listening works a territory? And uh, in your territory, there's some people that you love and there's people that you hate. Hate's the wrong word. But you do not get along with them in a way that's productive for both businesses. So I think that territory-based sales model works for large enterprise companies where you have to have in-person relationships. For smaller, especially remote-based companies, any kind of inside sales role, why are you doing that? Why not? It doesn't matter where people are located. What you want to do is do matchmaking with the recipient party, but actually make sure that people are gelling well. And what what pissed me off is that people use persona for this, but it's not a persona. Because a persona is like, the perception of who this person 
is or who we think they are and how we're going to sell to them. But I think what gets someone's attention from a sale and what gets someone's attention from a relationship building thing are totally different. They're different components of who they are. Yeah, I mean, there's a different, and again, depending on... Bright, bright lights excite me, but like quiet music will keep me there. I mean, I look at it all like dating. Um, depending on how your sales process and onboarding processes are structured, by the time a, a partner or user gets to onboarding, you may have been through a five-year courtship or you may have gotten a you up text message back. Um, <laughs> and I've worked on both of those, and often it's the that, and that, that you up text message. That is the monthly check-in email it is. from customer success. But again, the you up message can work, but that by no means means that that person absolutely fully understands the journey they're about to go on. Not now, even for the five-year relationship, if the sale begins with you guys moving in together, there's still going to be stuff that you learn about each other. But it just means that you're coming in armed with more information. It does not matter what the expectation is on the sales side, and that's one thing that I used to hammer really hard and I still hammer up hard now is it is not onboarding or the implementation part of AIR to focus on what sales should or should not be doing. Implementation's focus needs to be on how to take the user regardless of where they're coming in and get them to a point of being successful. And to the point about the traits, that's where that problem solving ability comes in because it's problem solving much like the same way people buy a puzzle. I, you're going into this understanding that there are problems to be solved. There is not a scenario where we're going to get a problemless engagement with a user or customer. It just doesn't happen, and that is not a fallacy. Doesn't of the exist. Doesn't it is. It is the purpose of the system. Um, it's you know, not, it's not a, about the problems. How you react and solve the problems. I had like the five C's of effective user partner onboarding on here, but I think we can leave it off. It might be its own conversation, just because we can put it off to the side. Dude, we're at we're at twenty six minutes, and I feel like I could talk about this passionately for an hour, but we yeah. can't. You know what? Let's do this. This is our podcast, right? The dogs are asleep. No more executive producers. Audience, this is a super sass for this first. We're doing a part two next week. We're not going to R. Okay. I think we're doing implementation part two. Okay. So I think there's still I, there's still a ton of things I want to talk yeah, about. Yeah, I still have the aha moment. I still have the five seats of effective user onboarding. Now, um, now you're setting up a teaser. Yeah. I mean, I still have a, our goalie thing from earlier, which we haven't gotten to yet to pull that string. Can I, are, you, are you good with that? Let's I, do it. Well, I have a thing to end on. I'm yeah. starting like an ending thing. I'm going to scroll through LinkedIn. I figured you had an ending thing. And right? I'm going to ask Brian for, I would say, give me your one. I, I really didn't know what I wanted, but I want your one sentence hot take on things I say to you. So it's going to be people sharing stuff, posting stuff. And I want to hear what you say in response to it. Okay? Let's do it. <laughs> so I'm opening up LinkedIn. And first thing I have here from someone actually from HubSpot, I have, first of all, thing, 30 noteworthy blog statistics from 2019. What do you think about uh, Relevant and will be used in a ton of sales collateral somewhere. All right. I've got from the company Reflected, five HR trends that will die in 2019. See if you can guess one. Uh, employee unlimited time off. I have the growth of their own workforce. So that might be the opposite of that. But that's, oh, yeah. Well, I, well okay. Yeah, I think that, that's fair. That's, that's probably fair. the same. Are you going to stab at it? Uh, do I get another guess? Let's see. Uh, I think unlimited PTO is going to be taken away, but for good reasons. I think so, too. Uh, I'm going to say tuition reimbursement. No, I had, I had for the people analytics, intelligent recruiting technology. And these are things that are, are not happening. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll keep going. Through. Yeah. I got one from HubSpot. Another one from HubSpot. Why is sales one of the least trusted professions? I'm not going to open it. Just give me your hot take. I think it carries a bad reputation in media. I think the media represents sales, and it only depends. Like, there's two types. You have uh, your movies. Uh, God, what is that movie where 
God, it's like the famous movie with Tom Cruise, and he's the killer. Show me the money. No, the killer. Psycho. 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 Yeah, no, Christian Bale. Sorry. Yes, it, like you have your business guys like that. And you think, thank you. You think cutthroat. That's that's our brothers. Or then you have like your Danny DeVito car salesman type of salespeople, and neither of those are like alluring personality types, right? Yep. Is that it? I think that's good. Yeah. What does LinkedIn say? I didn't open it. I just clicked on this stuff. I'm writing my next one. Uh, understanding the leader's role in creating high-performing teams. What is a leader's role for you? To find the right people and trust them to do their work. I love it. Uh, let's go. Let's hear what I got here. Uh, let's see. I'm running out of good stuff here. Here we go. Uh, 18% of organizations plan to incorporate virtual reality in the next few years. Do you think eight False. Teams? Yeah, you go. <laughs> right. Right. How are people incorporating virtual reality technology? They're Jared? Potentially Ben? <laughs> it was augmented reality, Brett. Right. Got a beautiful ranch home in the desired Harrison Woods neighborhood. It's within walking distance of the neighborhood pool and park. Who am I? Jeff Bezos. No, Charles Javik. <laughs> Charles Javik is going to be a recurring thing on this... Uh, I love him. Here we go. This is so. This is the other term for onboarding here from Bamboo HR. Uh, HR professionals. Here's everything you need to know to onboard like a pro. Give me your favorite thing you remember from any of your employee onboardings when you were uh, t-shirts. T-shirts. Yeah. I love t-shirts. Love t-shirts. Double down on t-shirts. Companies find a good guy. I also feel like, unfortunately, no one's going to ever adopt the V-neck again. But there was a magical time at Sharpspring. We were V-necked up. Dude, I found my Sharpspring V-neck the other day. I found sure. my tank over the world. Uh, here we go. Uh, <laughs> first time CEO. Uh, here are three simple things to learn. Yeah, give me one. Give me one. Or give me three. For, for, I've never been a first time CEO. Uh, communicate, delegate, intimidate. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got like one or two more, uh, and then we'll be then we'll be good. Um, educate, communicate, delegate, and then educate. CDE. <laughs> yeah, communicate, PCP. delegate, educate. PCP. Uh, I got some PCP walls on CDE. That's an Inverness joke. <laughs> Those guys listening. All right, I've got the last one. We'll finish in this one. Uh, the must-have. Well, this is a must-have video strategy for 2019. I'm not opening it. What do you think? We don't do a lot of video. We're gonna learn. We should, uh, authentic style video, non-edit video live video whatever the term is for that I want to see your flaws I want to see a sneeze yeah I think other humans want that too we went through this era in video where it was very polished I think we're taking a step back All right. I want to see the personal shaky cam I like it uh, last one uh, Becky Lynch Charlotte Flair Ronda Rousey Charlotte Flair Becky Lynch that's the show oh. <laughs> <laughs> woo woo alright guys she is, she is Rick Flair's daughter I think. Wasn't sure if it was wife, yeah. daughter. Or he does the figure four and the figure eight leg lock. Oh, this was WrestleMania again. Yeah. Ah, got it. <laughs> All right, guys, this was the end of episode three. Uh, you know the deal. Like, comment, subscribe. You can find us at brettandbrian.com, also supersassbros.com, or supersassbrothers.com. And maybe by this time next week, we might be on iTunes. Excellent. <laughs> work on that. We'll leave you guys with one question here on this whole thing. So I've got a good one here for you, and we'll open it with the next time. Uh, you're stranded on an island with 20 strangers. The group is holding a vote to decide who will be the leader. Who do you vote for? The doctor, the accountant, the professional musician, or the sales rep? Sales rep. 
Be in charge? Absolutely. All right. Well, we'll pull that string next week. All right. Sports fans. Uh, we'll catch Bono, up with Bono. Bono. I don't know. Bono could also be a sales guy. He probably is. Sell himself. <laughs> hello, hello. That'd be a great way to answer sales calls. Da, 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 da. And seamlessly exit the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Done.